0: I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is episode 78 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I'm joined by Daniel Sancato, recapping our 2018 sleepers and bus. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give you a reminder about our open intern positions here at TCK Pod. We're looking for interns to join us here at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. So if interested, please send us an email to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids and let us know what you can bring to the table. We're currently seeking content creators, a social media coordinator, podcast co-hosts and guests to join Daniel Curley and myself, a podcast producer well-equipped with audio and editing experience and hoping for some video enhancements, including a YouTube channel for 2019. If this sounds like something you're into, please get at us. As of now, these are not paid positions, but our goal is to grow to a point where we can accommodate and compensate appropriately. Until then, though, we're counting on the support and teamwork of our listeners and community. But enough business talk. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Hey, TCK Potters. I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? and how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Daniel, how you doing, buddy?
1: Doing good, man. How you doing?
0: Oh, so well. So well. The sun sun is out. The snow is still around-ish. We got pounded, bro. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah but uh but it's out the sun is out it's beautiful the birds are back the the sky is blue i'm going to go for a go for a run today get outside and get some fresh air man i was getting cabin fever a little bit there for a couple of days
1: for sure yes again p- p- uh, those of you listening from other parts of the country you don't understand how when it snows in on the west coast uh you know everything stops and and you become kind of a shut in so so it's I can, I can uh, relate to that feeling of when it's, when it, when it goes away and everything kind of resumes some semblance of normalcy again is always really nice.
0: Yeah, man, it feels good. So, uh, the kids are back at school, which I think is giving all of us parents a a break. Um, it's always nice to hang out with the the children of course, when they get a, a rare day off of school, but, um, Four in a row gets a little old. Uh, yep. <laughs> we've, got, a we've got shit to do. We've got to get back to our lives. And so it's kind of nice to kick them back out to school. So everybody is uh, back to normal up here in the Northwest and uh, wishing everybody uh, safety and well. I mean, you know, a lot of the South Hills and Eugene got pummeled and lost power for a week. Some people are still out of power. Trees fall down. I mean, the whole thing. So pretty gnarly stuff but anyway uh those of you laughing at us from around the rest of the country um <laughs> it is an issue here and <laughs> it's just what it is so all right man well let's get into this I'm, I'm stoked on this one uh we've been going through these recap episodes which are fun just to get into uh as i mentioned in previous episodes it's fun for us to recap these episodes first of all to see what we got right and wrong but really just to kind of understand why we got something right or wrong you know right. when i go through these stats and we we Think of something. We'll do this again. We're going to do our sleepers and bus uh, coming up in, say, July, August, as we're getting ready for drafts. And we're going to have certain players that we truly believe d- deserve to be in this category. And we're going to make a case for them. And we're going to do our research on all these things. We're going to come back next year and recap it again. And some of those are going to be a laughing stock. But it's like, why did that happen? Right. So right. I'm excited to go through this, man. Let's get into our sleepers right away. Yeah. Uh. What the hell is this? That's a sodium message. It means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. With Dom Segalis in the sleeper hall. We're just going to do our sleepers. We'll go back to back, of course. So I'll go, you go, I go, you go. Let's just do our sleepers first and we'll get into our bus. And our sleepers were basically like, going in the 10th round plus so so or of their category right 10th or or below was our sleeper um qualification and these are players that we thought significantly were going to exceed their ADP at the time of the draft with consistency or at least by the end of the season so that's why we put these guys in this category my first player at quarterback was Marcus Mariota um, if you've been listening to the, uh, the podcast you know that I'm I have a, a for sure, man crush on Marcus Mariota um, as a player and as a person. And this is really disappointing, dude. I got a couple of these wrong, which we'll get into, that I can just, you know, eat it and it was the wrong call. This one just kind of bums me out as like a fan of the player, you know. Um, Basically, he was going as the quarterback 17 before last year's draft. I was really excited about Marcus. I thought he and the Titans were in for a huge upgrade um, after, you know, rinsing out their coaching staff, bringing in Matt LaFleur, uh, who was the um, offensive coordinator with the Rams, uh, he worked very well with RG3 and Matt Ryan, uh, obviously Jared Goff as well, and Marcus had got rid of his knee brace going into preseason, he looked faster, all these other things, all the signs were pointing up for the Tennessee Titans. I was really stoked on this, and I thought he was a for sure sleeper going undrafted in most leagues. Um, Obviously, this didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not it's quite too hard. bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, it
0: is. Uh, Marcus finished as the quarterback twenty-two in fourteen games. His average was twelve and a half fantasy points per game over sixteen games. That would have been good for QB twenty. So, still mm-hmm. short. Of quarterback 17 where he was going. And what really killed his production uh in 2018 was an eleven to eight touchdown to interception ratio, which is horrendous. Yeah, right. Uh, or that's basically point seven eight touchdowns per game and over half an interception per game, which obviously is not gonna get it done. That's a terrible average. Um, once Delaney Walker went down for the season in week one with a broken ankle. And Dion Lewis wasn't the third down back specialist that they thought they were bringing in racking up just uh, 59 receptions and 400 yards receiving with one touchdown through the air and uh, 517 rushing yards and just one touchdown on the ground. Marcus became pretty average before injuries got the best of him. Once again, in 2018 Um, I'm certainly worried that 2019 will be Marcus's last chance in Tennessee to prove himself um, talent and health wise. And uh, unfortunately I just think if he's not able to stay healthy and stay productive um, that they're probably just not going to resign him and he'll become a free agent. I, I think he'd pick up a job somewhere. He's not a terrible quarterback, no, um, but, but yeah. I just don't think the hype was so heavy. I mean, he came out of the, as the number two uh, pick in the overall, in, in the draft, the season he came out, he had won the Heisman trophy, he set college football on fire at Oregon. So the hype was really strong and, he has just not really lived up to expectations, unfortunately. So, unfortunately, I'm not expecting a significant turnaround without some serious commitment to one game plan or the other for the Titans. So, yeah. last year, they were like pass-heavy forever, didn't work out. They went to the run late. That did work out, but that doesn't really help Marcus. So, I don't know, man. I think I'm just going to have to uh, let the ship set, set, set sail on my, on my boy in 2019.
1: Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, just in—I mean, I think a, a case could be made for a lot of that argument for that entire. I was so excited about the the Titans' offense heading into this past season, and pretty much all of them, minus a, a late season surge from Derrick Henry, which I'll talk about in a bit. Yep. Um, pretty much all of them disappointed in in major fashion. So, so I think you know something's got to change over there in terms of uh, offensive scheme. I still feel like there's quite a bit of talent, um, but uh, but yeah, obviously. Changes have to be made to be sure. And we'll see about Marcus. This re- truly is the last chance to prove himself because it's the last year of his rookie contract. Um, so this will be, this will be a, a pivotal year for him to determine whether or not he's a franchise guy or kind of a, uh, you know, I don't know, Nick Foles type who's going to bounce around from, you know, teams who need stop gap options. Um, you know, so, so we'll see how it goes, but, um, and so I'll move on to my quarterback sleeper which was Alex Smith. Uh needless to say this was I think uh, even bigger whiff than than yours. Um even I mean obviously you know I could there's not much to say about what happened to him uh mid-season in terms of the gruesome injury his career may very well be over. I think we can almost certainly can almost certainly say that we're not going to see him in 2019. Um but uh he, the truth is he wasn't even that effective before he went down. Uh, I thought that his that what he did in his last year in Kansas City was going to translate well uh, to, to Washington system. He had some, at least at the beginning of the year, he had some talented receivers to work with. Um, you know, uh, uh, for a while there, at least the, during the preseason, there was some hope that Darius Geis would, would you know, uh, be special in his first year and, and uh, you know, take some pressure off the passing game as well. But none of those things happened. Everybody on the team got hurt. The offensive line got hurt. Um, uh, they they were just a mess all year, and Alex Smith kind of showed that uh, even before he went down that he may have been kind of a, a, a sort of a vestige of of Andy Reid, um, and and somebody who succeeded well in that offense, but uh, just wasn't going to be able to translate as well um, in other contexts. At his best uh, this past year, he was kind of a reasonably a uh, successful game manager, um, but he didn't he wasn't airing it out like he was in his last year in Kansas City. He wasn't running really um so so he kind of regressed in, in a really significant way so uh his career in general might be over I think his career as a fantasy relevant quarterback is probably over um but we'll see what happens Sam. To it's too bad I like Alex Smith I've always liked Alex Smith um I thought he never got enough of a chance in his development you and I have talked about this a lot in terms of what he had to endure in San Francisco going from coach to coach um and and just never getting the development shot that that he probably deserved so kind of unfortunate to see this, see this happen to Alex Smith, but hopefully he, you know, comes back and can at least be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. But uh, a lot needs to happen uh, for that to, ha- for that to be a reality, unfortunately.
0: Right. And to Alex, Alex Smith's credit, man, he was, he was leading the Redskins to wins. I think that's been the yeah, the true. silver, the silver lining in a um like almost, I don't know, to people that don't watch him all the time. Uh, maybe like a, he's like a good Kirk cousins or Blake Bortles or something. It's like, it's never sexy. He put up, you know, crazy shit with, with the Chiefs, obviously, but right. it's it's never sexy, but he gets it done, and he has one of the better win percentages, um, you know, post-49ers um, in in the league, really, and I think a lot of that 49ers stuff, you know, us obviously watching closely, it was, he had nothing around him, A, and B, he had, you know, seven offensive coordinators in eight years. Um, there was a lot of talk in 2005 coming out of the draft if the, the Niners should go with Aaron Rodgers or... Alex Smith. They went with Alex Smith. The rest is history. But there's been a lot of talk over the years, like would Alex would Alex Smith be Aaron Rodgers, and would Aaron Rodgers be Alex Smith if they were in reverse situations? Now, now it sounds fucking ridiculous to make that comparison. But realistically, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Alex Smith was setting records at Utah in college, um, right? And a dual threat quarterback and all this other shit. He got thrown in the fire and just got completely burned down. Aaron Rodgers got to sit behind a Hall of Famer for two years and came out of the gun swinging. So I don't know. Right. It, we'll, we'll never know, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's too bad for Alex Smith. Certainly I'll move on to my running back here. This one uh, was a bummer too, just cause I was hoping for the hype um, and sneak peek. I might include this guy in my next, uh, my next re- uh, round of this at the end of this year here, but um, this is Kalen Balazs. Uh He was going as the running back 61. So this is a deep sleeper here. Yeah. Um, and basically I was just kind of stoked on the general hype. I mean, watching him, he's another PAC 12 guy. So I watched that conference, uh, you and I both watched that, the PAC 12 conference more closely than any other conference, because you and I are on the West coast Cal, uh, obviously in, and Oregon mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Curly's down at ASU as well. So all of us are in the PAC 12 paying attention. And, uh, Kalen Balazs was crushing it at Arizona state. Um, he came out with similar measurables to Derrick Henry and Steven Jackson, um, But he was faster than both of those guys. He's a passing down back. Uh, He's kind of a receiving specialist out of the backfield. I was certainly uh, thinking he was the best all-around running back going into last year in Miami, period. Um, And I actually made a prediction that I thought he would be the starter by midseason. Obviously, that didn't happen either. So I missed the boat here. But um, Kalen Blosh finished as the running back eighty-seven. (laughs) Uh, So clearly, clearly that was a whiff. But I think it was really just a a premature prediction, um, potentially. And and, uh, he may be a sleeper for me in 2019, as I mentioned, if Frank Gore moves on from Miami. Which
1: so far, uh, no signs uh, saying that Frank oh. is going to leave, so <laughs> wow well, they just said today that he's he's a, you know he officially said he's going to play next year, although I wouldn't be totally surprised if if Miami cut bait with him just because he doesn't really make sense on a rebuilding team like that, I can't I mean unless they want him to be kind of the leadership guy that kind of mentors the likes of Balaj and, and Kenyon Drake, but uh, but you know we'll see we'll see what happens.
0: Dude, you know what? You know what? I would love to see for Frank Gore. This is just like as a fan of Frank Gore again, a former you know Forty Nine er legend. Um, I would love to see him replace Mark Ingram in, in uh, New Orleans.
1: Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I yeah. think
0: I think he'd be perfect because Alvin Kamara does everything else. Frank Gore can come in on the goal line. He can get a, a third and one. He can catch the ball enough. Um, he's not you know uh, uh, Mark Ingram, but you know certainly yeah. he's better in his prime. And I would love to see him get a ring, man. He's just one of yeah, those players in the league that just deserves. A Super Bowl um and Absolutely. I think uh, obviously the uh the saints are are uh you know in prime position to do so, so I'd love to see it happen but anyway, I think uh living legend Frank Gore was usable last year in fantasy, finishing uh running back forty, which obviously cut Bellage out of the uh, out of the system and Frank Gore stayed healthy once again um, yep. Kenya Kenyon Drake was a non factor outside of his bogus. Knocks guy out of the playoffs, bullshit hook and ladder to beat uh New Orleans or excuse me, uh New England in week fifteen last season. Um, Drake is good, but underutilized, obviously. And in week fifteen, Kalen Balage broke off a majestic seventy five yard touchdown that made my heart flutter a little bit. I think I text you guys immediately and was like yo <laughs> i'm 15 weeks late but there's Belage with a 75 yard touchdown yeah um, yeah but other than that he was barely used and with adam Gase out of miami finally uh perhaps the the youthful players the better players explosive players will play in 2019 but um we'll see what happens i still love Belage, but uh i honestly think miami's going to be the worst team in the nfl this year
1: right yeah, I think that's definitely, that's definitely true. That doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, that's, that could be a, a golden opportunity for Bellage to, to elevate himself above committee status. Um, although I will see, he never really did that at Arizona state. Um, but he is just in terms of the measurables. I mean, he's athlet- athletically, he's a freak. So, yeah, uh, you know, he definitely has a lot of, definitely has a lot of upside, but we'll see a new, new uh, change in coaching staff. Uh, might might be a really good thing for him so right we'll see how that goes um my running back pick i this guy i can i can never seem to quit kenneth dixon uh the perennial tease he just keeps me hanging on um i I thought that he i mean i thought i kind of was buying into alex collins a little bit um going into the year but i just felt like uh, uh, Dixon was a huge upgrade on Buck Allen, that he would still have a role, A, in the passing game and as kind of a change of pace back for Alex Collins. Uh, Collins himself came with quite a bit of uncertainty and as kind of an unknown. So I just figured D- Dixon, especially where he was going in drafts, would be able to, to carve out a niche for himself. Um, got hurt uh, for almost the entire year, and I was pretty much ready to completely wash my hands of Dixon and say, you know, he's dead to me. But then he came back and actually provided a little bit of value late in the year and actually looked quite good um, especially when, uh, you know, Gus Edwards was battling some injuries. Dixon actually ended up getting some chances and looking pretty good doing them. Um, and so this is going to be one of those years where obviously we're going to see what's going to happen in the offseason. They've already cut bait with Alex Collins. He's done and and, and seemingly pretty significant trouble legal uh, law, in terms of the law. So so I don't you know, we may not even see Alex Collins for, for quite some time. Um, and, uh, you know, they've said that Gus Edwards is going to be their guy heading into the upcoming year, but, you know, we'll see, I'm guessing they're going to waive time Montgomery, uh, probably Buck Allen as well. So, so, you know, I, I, he could, you know, end up again, being one of those guys that kind of near the end of drafts might be somebody to take a flyer on, um, in, in the same way that he's seemingly been for the last several years. Uh, and he's always been frustrating, but he always seems to, uh, somewhere late in the year, provide some glimmer of hope to keep me hanging on to him. Um, so we'll see what happens needless to say he didn't really function as a sleeper so I can't I can't call this pick a success uh again he did provide a little bit of value late in the year um but but we'll see uh, if they bring in some other uh some other veteran running backs to pair with Gus Edwards then that could spell kind of the end of Dixon's run at least in Baltimore but um but for right now I'm still willing to hold out some glimmer of hope that he's that he's got a good season in him um but we'll see obviously a lot needs to happen for that to click into place Right and and you know,
0: with that, I, I think that was a good call at the beginning of the season last year. Obviously Alex Collins got the nod, but you know, uh, Gus Edwards right now is the starter, I believe. Yeah. Or at least they, yeah. they named him the starter. Um so yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see. I am a little bit shaky on on Dixon. And I think a big part of his thing is just the injuries. Yeah. He
1: exactly. just
0: has he just has constant injuries. Um but the good news is they do have uh uh they do have um Greg Roman uh who you know, crushed with uh, Frank Gore in San Francisco for many, many years. The the one positive out of all those years, I guess, uh, and the run game with Harbaugh and Kaepernick and all that stuff. So he got promoted if, to the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. And so that yeah, should be
1: good. No, I was going to say, and if Dixon and if, if, uh, Dixon does, you know, end up being on the team and ends up with a role. He could, uh, you know, Gus Edwards has not really shown anything in the passing game. Dixon kind of has. Yep. So, so it seems like, especially with a, with a young quarterback like Lamar Jackson, uh, who still hasn't proven that he can throw the ball really uh, at the NFL level, um, you know, Dixon could come into value as something of a dump off kind of passing back. Um, So, so we'll see, Uh, you know, a lot has to happen, but, but yeah, you're, you're right in that, you know, coaching uh, could, could play a role here too. But yeah, the injuries obviously are enough to, to make a lot of people run the other way. Yep. Totally agree.
0: All right. My, my receiver was another swing and a miss and really all of my, uh, all of my sleepers <laughs> were, were yeah. swing yeah. swing and a miss and this which is, is a bummer, bummer because, uh, three of them, uh, three of them got hurt and one of them just never got a chance to play. So I, I think I might've dug, dug a little too deep, um, this year, which I'll try to rectify for the next year to bring more value. But, um, it was Cameron Meredith with the uh, wide receiver. He was going, uh, he had just got picked up by new Orleans out of Chicago. He showed a little glimmer of hope in 2016 when he played 14 games. Uh, he had 75 catches thousand yards and, and about five touchdowns. If you extrapolate his uh, 2016 numbers over 16 games. Um, and he was getting passes by uh Curly's boy, Jay Cutler and, and uh, Matt Barkley. So, Um, he was going into Drew Brees. I was really stoked on that. And frankly, he, he just never really got a chance. Um, I mentioned in our crazy call segment that he got injured and only played three full games, uh, before being lost for the season, but I love the talent and the potential in new Orleans, but, um, I honestly think he's going to be what coach Riley from the mighty ducks would call a never was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm not, I'm not uh, kind of Similar to what you were just saying about about the likes of Kenneth Dixon I'm not convinced that that uh, Meredith is going to be be healthy and he's just at this point he's lost too much development time, i think to really truly become an impact player at the NFL level but we'll see i do I agree with you and I like the skill set there was a lot a lot to like in general but um but yeah, definitely not definitely getting a little bit too late now for anything to happen right um my wide receiver yeah i so I picked Josh Doxson of of the the Redskins, and this actually was a little bit surprising to me that he didn't turn into more value and starting to make me think he's just simply not that good. Um, but we'll see. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously the quarterback situation was a mess, but given the injuries, especially early in the year to jameson Crowder, the injuries to, um, Oh, for God's sakes, uh, Richardson, right. Uh, yep. uh Paul, Paul Richardson. Richardson from Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know there was you know a lot of kind of injuries and it seemed like Doxson might emerge as as a, a steady target and he was the one of the few pe- receivers one of the few people in that offense in general to stay healthy most of the year, um, and, but he just didn't he didn't he didn't wasn't able to really do anything. He was a terrible fit with Alex Smith. He was kind of just like a, a specialist who who deals with kind of contested catches things along those lines. He's you know uh, relatively tall and physical, but but yeah I you know it seems. Uh, uh, that the, the ship might have uh, sailed on him as well. Uh, he just didn't emerge as really anything. It's possible with the right quarterback situation, maybe he could. Um, I don't think Washington is going to pick up his fifth-year option. He's going to be in his, the final year of his rookie contract, so he's going to have a lot to prove this upcoming year. Maybe if he ends up in the right situation, he could he could recoup some value. But I just think he's too much of a kind of a niche specialist receiver type to really end up uh, providing a lot of value in, in fantasy contexts. Um, but we'll see. I mean he's 26. He can still turn it around. Um but you know he obviously has the pedigree he was a first round pick in 2016. Um but uh but I uh, you know uh, he's somebody that I'll likely not be be targeting uh this in this upcoming year's draft. Yeah,
0: and unfortunately for Josh Dobson, it was a rough, rough ride with uh Alex Smith and Al Smith goes down. Josh Dobson gets hurt around that same time too, missing you know, gets hurt in week three. They have a buy in week four, get, misses week five. And then after that, <laughs> Colt McCoy and yeah. uh, and uh, Butt Fumble were throwing them passes for the rest of the year, which just isn't going to get it done for anybody. You know, this is disappointing because Josh Dodson, I made, I think I made a mention during your call for him last year during this time that uh, he was compared to um, AJ Green when he was coming out yeah. of college from TCU. And I love AJ Green. I think everybody does, assuming he stays healthy and all that. Um, and I just don't think he's got the right spot. It's kind of weird, you know, looking at his numbers, he had one game with 10 targets. Every other game, he had less than seven and he had no game, uh, no games over six catches or 60 yards or 80 yards. He had one game with 80 yards. And he only had two touchdowns. So I just, it's a hard thing to, to decide when you look at end of your stats, when there's so many quarterback flips, the offense was a mess. The, uh, uh, offensive line was destroyed. Their defense was terrible. So they're getting blown out. Um, I just don't think Jay Gruden's that good of a coach. Uh, so I, I just don't know that he had a chance. I would be curious to see Josh Dogson for a year or two in like a real system with a real quarterback situation so they could use him properly. But um, honestly, man, I, I think he's another player where – uh, it's kind of shit to get off the pot, unfortunately. You know, yeah. when these guys yeah. get past that rookie deal, like the NFL's not committed to them. And, and we see every single year surprising names get released and we forget about them. And then all of a sudden we realize at the end of the year, they never actually got picked up by a team. Um, and uh, I think Josh Dodson's young enough and talented enough with the pedigree to potentially get somewhere, but like, hey, could be rough, unfortunately. time running out. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, let's get into my tight end. Another swing and a miss here. Um, this was Hayden Hurst. Uh again we did these um uh, we did these right before the preseason and uh Hayden Hurst had a, a nice preseason but he ended up getting injured of course. He was going as the tight end 19 um during this time and and I think outside of Hunter Henry before he got hurt, I think Hunter Henry and Hayden Hurst were kind of the and OJ Howard were kind of the late round darlings that fantasy experts we're trying to scoop um, if you didn't get one of those big three, four tight ends. And this is before anybody took Josh Kittle seriously um, and didn't know about Eric Ebron and all this stuff, you know, but anyway, I was really stoked on him. I mean, he, I said that he moves really well for a big guy. He's six four, two hundred and fifty. Um He lines up as a receiver often in college. He's an excellent uh, in the sec, which is arguably the best conference in college football um, versus our, you know, basically NFL linebackers and safeties. So, I was really stoked on him, but nope. This was a uh, this was a whiff here. Uh, Hurst fractured his foot in the preseason and didn't play until week five. And even when he did return, he only had 13 receptions in 12 games. I thought that was insane. Like yeah, right. one one catching game, not right. getting it done. Uh, just one touchdown. Fellow tight end Mark Andrews proved to be a solid option in a trio of decent tight ends. And honestly, they were rocking four there for a while in yeah, Baltimore. Man. Um, and really there's no signs that they're not going to do that again with, we just mentioned Greg Roman, who's a run-based, uh, offensive coordinator. And if he's going to want to keep two of those tight ends as blockers, use Andrews and Hurst as receivers, I'm not sure it's going to, he's going to have huge numbers. You know, we saw Vernon Davis be pretty successful in, in, um, San Francisco, But he's kind of an athletic freak, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I still believe in Hurst for 2019, and some good news is that he actually got the screw removed from his foot February 20th and is planning to make a full recovery by training camp. So um, hopefully you know, he should be full go once the season starts. And he's possibly a nice value late in drafts once again, depending on how Mark Andrews fits into the picture. But uh, again, he's 25 already, so this will be his – second year technically but he's still kind of a rookie as far as player experience goes um, but he's a late you know kind of came into the draft older so he's 25 already which is when most tight ends actually hit their prime and you know again he's six four and 250 so dude's a beast and if they can get the ball in his hands I think he'll be all right but uh, he's got to come off a pretty pretty gnarly injury that that uh, kept him out of as you just mentioned with Josh Doxson a um, uh, huge uh, developmental uh, or sorry, Cameron Meredith, uh, developmental stage of, of, I think, his early career. It's really important. And with a young quarterback like uh, like a Lamar Jackson, I think it's going to be important that he's, he's out there getting the reps early. So get that rapport yeah. and all that. But we'll see what happens. Um, he's not going to be a sleeper, I don't think, this year, just because I'm not sure what the Ravens are going to do. And honestly, Lamar Jackson may not even throw the ball this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, not really stoked on anybody catching the ball. Uh,
1: uh, that to me is the biggest red flag about the the Ravens situation. Is just is just what it, I don't Lamar Jackson? It's not entirely clear that he can sustain one tight end as a reasonable receiving option, let alone two or three. Um, you know, so so we'll see what happens. But you know, just based on the on the uh, simply on the basis that Hayden Hurst has the the letter T E in front of his name as his position, he potentially comes into some value because there's just so few yep uh, you know really elite tight ends out there so he's potentially a flyer
0: still. yep 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 totally totally yeah so i i just uh, it's up in the air for for Hurst, but i was really really stoked on him last year and and uh i think aside from an injury he he obviously would have had better numbers overall but just never really got it done um and the uh, game plan switched uh obviously when they switched to um lamar jackson from uncle flacco so We'll have to see what goes on this this next year, but he's not going to be my my sleeper for for 2019,
1: which is too many question marks. Agreed. Um, and neither will my tight end. He'll be even less my sleeper. Is that's uh, Charles Clay, who I, I put as a sleeper on the basis of the fact that um, you know if you waited in a draft uh, heading into this past season, uh, you know, until late, and you needed a tight end, I think Clay was worth a deep look as as not unlike Hayden Hurst, which is kind of a high risk, high upside thing as. Somebody I thought clay could provide some sort of stability. He was actually quite effective the year before, before he went hurt, before he got hurt. Um, He was actually on fire for the first several weeks of the season. Um, And in general, he's been one of these guys that when he's been on the field, he's been relatively productive. Um, And this was one of those years where he was on the field a decent amount. I think he missed a few games, maybe due to injury, but for the most part, he played, I think, 13 games, but he just did absolutely nothing. Um, hundred and one hundred and eighty-four yards, zero touchdowns uh, in thirteen games on on twenty-one receptions, um, and he just looks. I think you know, obviously Buffalo's situation was a mess, um, and you know they they didn't have a, a lot in the way of quarterback stability either. Their offensive line, at least in terms of their uh the uh their offensive line in general, was was pretty lousy. Um, they couldn't establish a run game, so everything about their offense was was kind of messed up. Um, he is now, I guess Charles Clay got signed by the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, unlikely yeah uh just in general that's not inspiring and i don't i don't think he's likely to have much of a role there i will say that and this is completely unrelated to clay but one thing that that i've been sort of gathering is that it's possible that they could use clay as more of a blocking tight end and that could open up for some receiving looks for ricky seals jones who might finally be able to capitalize on his upside but we'll see what happens obviously there's a lot up in the air with uh, you know, what Josh Rosen's capable of and all these sorts of things. So needless to say, Charles Clay is not an option, uh, despite the fact that he is a tight end. Uh, he is not an option this upcoming year in fantasy circles. Uh, and so he's somebody just to be completely left alone. Uh, this was a huge whiff for me, needless to say.
0: Yeah, and and uh, this, is, this is definitely all hearsay. Honestly, by the time this episode comes out um... – Antonio Brown might be dealt with, but it just came out this morning that, you know, the Cardinals are all of a sudden in the running for AB as well. And Which that's a, that, random, by the, way. it is, it is random. And I don't think that's <laughs> going to happen. Honestly, the only, yeah. the only thing that makes that even uh, reasonable is with Kingsbury coming over who just throws the shit out of the ball, obviously. Um, yeah. And Kyler Murray uh, very quickly uh, making yeah. a case to be the number one pick and, and get yes. Josh, Josh Rosen out of town. Um, if that's the case, that does actually make a lot more sense and having two hall of famers, uh, as your receivers with Christian Kirk, Ricky seals, Jones, and, and Charles clay to yeah, sure. Potentially be the, the blocker, or whatever, um, probably won't make much for him, but this Arizona offense could definitely be retooled, uh, this season, no matter what. And David Johnson might come back to, uh, legitimacy as well here, but uh quick, quick digression. I was just looking at the, uh, the roto world, um, For charles clay and i happen to see that the break of of antonio brown news but we're not going to get into all that mess Uh, i just wanted to mention that it was it was interesting that that clay went to um arizona just because like he's he's 30 years old which is funny because every other position well not every other position i would say running back for sure that's like the death zone right um we all know about that uh at receiver even a little bit but as a tight end it's almost like that's kind of like when <laughs> tight ends are like in their prime. So right, I right. I I wonder if because you know watching you know minimal I, I try to watch as as few Bills uh quote highlights as possible. Um <laughs> but he didn't look super terrible and if you go back 1 year, he was actually quite productive with Tarod Taylor in Buffalo.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: And, yeah. and 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 really I mean like the the last handful of years, I mean he had 74 87 77 84 102 catches you know I mean he he puts up his touchdowns he has 100 yard games I think he's quite athletic honestly I just worry that 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 Bill's offense was so bad and Josh Allen kind of made a name for himself but that was on the ground
1: yeah that
0: was not through the air Shady McCoy obviously didn't do shit Um, and it was just kind of a it was just a mess there in in, in, uh, Buffalo so I wonder if if Clay's still got some in the tank, but it will be interesting to see what happens with Ricky Seals Jones. I think with all that, that hype there, but one thing to, to mention, I just had a, a note uh, listening to the fantasy footballers. Um, they have a nickname for pretty much every player in the NFL, but their player for uh, their nickname for Charles Clay is Mr. Necessary uh, dating back to two years ago, where basically um, while Sammy Watkins was still in town, if he didn't go deep to Taylor would check it down every single time to Charles Clay and just kind of bolstered his stats. So, Kind of up in the air there. I I wonder if he's over the hump too. We'll see. But that was certainly a that was a miss. But again, I think it's less about the player, more about the system. But unfortunately, fantasy football they they both matter. So, yep, that's a
1: a, a bad systems to rely upon in my sleepers. the (laughs) Redskins, the Bills, and the Ravens are a little better, I guess. But yeah, just in general, a lot of you know, which is which is you know really informative, right? Like we talked about things we learned this year, right? And this is one thing you need to you need to keep in mind is keep you know keep keep the system keep the coach uh keep the offensive line keep you got you gotta keep all these things in mind and no player exists in isolation uh in in football or in any team sport so um so you really gotta you really gotta you know think deeply about about all these sorts of things i think just for the record i think the bills well, the Redskins certainly were a lot. Like, people, people thought the Redskins were going to have a legitimate offense. Yep, um, and and so that was I kind of can forgive myself for, but I think people should have myself and others. I think should have seen the Bills coming a little bit more, but um, right. but it is what it is.
0: Well, and the fact that you had you had two Redskins as your sleepers i mean out of four yeah, positions yeah. you had two as redskins. obviously alex smith goes down that hurts him and Dawson and the rest of the yeah. offense was just a mess so you really didn't have a chance after that but yep you're right we're learning as we go here and, and i think that's a great call we definitely need to keep that in perspective but let's turn the page here from our sleepers to our bus I'm tired of fighting I'm tired of fighting
1: fighting for The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You stink. How's this for criticism? Um, you stink. How do you like that? Criticism? Hey, Pavy, look at this guy. He's awful. <laughs> He's not a man, this Jerry. He's not even married like I am.
0: These players are significantly underperforming their ADP with consistency or at least by the end of the season. That's how I kind of made the term for a, a quote "bust." And I'm going to let you go first on this category because uh, I, I want you to get yours out of the way before I get destroyed on mine.
1: Yeah, well well, <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I, I you know I'm not going to say much because we talked about uh, <laughs> my, my boss was Jimmy G, um, who you put as your will not draft um right I'm right about that right yes correct yeah so we already talked about him um so I won't, I won't leave it I mean obviously he got hurt um my my concern was less about that and more about um I think he was just getting way overhyped based on a small sample of performances um but but you know obviously the jury's still out on what Jimmy G's going to do over there um I'll leave it at that because we already covered him pretty thoroughly Okay, fair enough,
0: and uh, yeah, hopefully there's a turnaround for him. But I, I totally agree. That's why I had him on that do not draft. I just I was worried. And again, it's not it's less about the player. Of course, we don't predict the injury, but it was the ADP, and that's another that's another part of this equation. Which leads me to my guy, your guy, really. And my my question here was quarterback, Russie will Russell Wilson. He was going as the quarterback uh, four off the board in ADP last year, and this was really. My whole situation was that they didn't have a run game uh, to take off the pressure, I thought. Clearly wrong there. Um, they had uh, Rashad Penny coming in, um, who I thought they were going to base the offense around. I was wrong there. They were sacked 43 times, the fourth, fourth most in the NFL. Uh, they were not in 2018. They also had one of the worst offensive lines in uh, 2018 as well, which I was worried about, which carried over two thousand. um or excuse me, 2017 carried over to 2019, but I was really worried about uh, Doug Baldwin as well. Yada yada. Long story short, as always, I love Russell Wilson. I was worried about drafting him as the fourth quarterback off the board, so I put him down as my bust and I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, yeah. but I mean, technically, I was right because he yeah. under he he under. Yeah underperformed i guess um but his adp was too high to begin with to be honest i honestly this is kind of low-hanging fruit for me uh Russy will was going as the quarterback four, as i mentioned off the board in 2018 and he finished as quarterback eight so certainly did not uh you know maybe disappointed but definitely he was not the reason you You know, were were ruined on your season by any means, uh, outperforming Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and things. So he was certainly uh, you know good enough for sure, but not as a quarterback number four where you had to get him in about the what fifth round probably. uh, Yeah, sixth. Yeah, there you go. So it's a little bit too early, but again, Russell Wilson is great. This is just based on the run first game plan, a banged up Doug Baldwin, and the 27th ranked offensive line per Pro Football Focus. Uh, Seattle's offensive line finished 18th. Overall and 17th in pass protection in 2018 per Pro Football Focus, so they certainly had a an upgrade there significantly to the middle of the pack. Um, But Wilson uh, didn't match his QB four ADP, but you were happy to have him at the end of the day, Um, and I expect him to flirt with top five finish in 2019. And if you're able to, if if he's able to stay healthy and the offensive line is able to stay healthy and they upgrade at the wide receiver. Um, Or maybe, you know, get the tight end involved, which they had Jimmy Graham for that, uh, you know, two years ago. He was pretty involved there. Uh, Maybe Will Disley comes back. who was kind of fun there for a couple of weeks. Um, But it looks like, you know, they're just going to stick with what what Pete Carroll does, man. And that is running the shit out of the ball and throwing 70-yard bombs to Tyler Lockett. So um, if if that's the case, you might get away with it. And uh, again, I'm never going to spit flames on Russell Wilson himself. Uh, but this was just strictly a ADP positional call here, and um, he he did underperform. So technically I was right. But he did not. He did not bust. Bust. Yeah, uh, not- by any means.
1: Yeah, I give you. I'll give you half a point because right. I- uh, you know. Uh, implies he he you know completely shit the bed. Um, but but yeah he I mean he definitely was a, a bona fide QB one. I like Russ because he is one of those set it and forget it players. I mean he's going to be you know a solid option pretty much any time he's on the field. Um, doesn't have a, a ton of va- variation. You kind of know what you're going to get for the most part. Plus or minus a few really good games and a few duds here and there. But for the most part, he doesn't really do that. Um, but, but nonetheless, yeah, you know, if you had picked, you could have waited a long time, picked up Matt Ryan, picked up Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Jared Goff last year, and you would have been happier. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you some credit on that one. Cool. Um, all right, let's see, what am I doing? Running back? Uh, this is, a, I think a kind of a fun one, Derek Henry, who, who, mm-hmm. for the first big chunk of the year, I was super right. And then all of a sudden I was very, very, very wrong. But, um, yeah for the point at the end of that that last year he all of a sudden decided he was Barry Sanders or something. I don't know how I don't know what exactly. I think happened. I think his his coaches
0: his coaches decided that he was Earl Campbell and and Jim Brown yeah. put together, you know? I mean, it's like
1: she you know, beast of a of a of a runner. Yeah, I mean, I, my whole thing coming into the year was that um you know, every everything that I had sort of seen of him pointed him as just kind of like a a red zone battering ram type. Um and even that, his performance in the red zone leading into last year wasn't what you'd think given his sort of his athletic tools, um, his physical tools, um, and uh, and so I just thought that, and I, you know, I and I, I was I did think relatively highly uh, of Dion Lewis at least as a kind of a dual-purpose back. He was going to catch passes. Uh, I thought he would be used a decent amount in the running game as well. Um, so yeah, and and for the first part of the year, I was absolutely right about that. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he just. Uh, Derrick Henry just went absolutely ballistic in one of the most kind of historic games that we've seen in recent years, uh, that one game against Jacksonville. Um, and then he kind of kept it going until for the, pretty much the rest of the year. So um, it'll be very interesting actually to see what, what comes of Derrick Henry next year, if he can sustain it. Um, uh, I don't I, quite frankly, I'm not sure what to think. I mean, obviously we have a small sample of him being ridiculous, um, but, but you know, I agree with you that I don't think it was totally random. I think there was uh, a change in how the coaches approached, you know, using him that may be sustainable. Um, So he's definitely going to be an interesting pick heading into next year. I don't quite know what to make of it, but, um, but I'll go ahead and just simply based on end of year, uh, end of year, uh, um, you know, what he did in those last few games, I'll go ahead and call this a miss, but uh, nevertheless, kind of an interesting situation to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, he had uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five touchdowns in his first twelve games.
1: Yeah, and he had
0: seven in his final final four. (laughs) Um, So ridiculous! Obviously, he
1: finishes finishes the running back sixteen in PPR leagues, Um, behind Kenyon Drake. I might add, but um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, we'll see. I I don't know what I'll have to think about him and kind of keep keep an eye on what he does uh in the preseason and thing and his usage and things like that but he could be a he could have the poten- uh, potential for a sustained breakout here
0: sure and i just want to make a mention quickly on week 14 uh versus jacksonville of course it was a thursday night game i remember it fondly i was actually down in the bay area visiting and i had uh, gone over to my brother's house for a rare visit and we were catching the game there and um he had 17 rushes for 238 yards for an average of 14 yards per carry.
1: <laughs> and yes, for- against the, the Jaguars, mind you, who I, they weren't quite the defensive powerhouse that they were the previous year, but they still were no slouched effect. It wasn't like doing this on, um, uh, you know, I don't know, the, the Falcons or something. Sure. You know
0: yeah, the, the, de- the defense formerly known as Jacksonville, for sure. Um, but, yeah, those, <laughs> those four touchdowns were huge. But after that, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind here with Derrick Henry that I'm going to take into consideration is um, before, let's see, uh, before week 14, he had um, two games, weeks two and three, with 18 carries, but he had just 56, 57 yards there, so three yards per carry. Not very effective. After that, he had multiple games of single-digit touches, that's not going to get it done with that type of running back. After week 14 when he exploded, the following week after that huge game versus the Giants, he had 33 carries, which mm-hmm. is easily his – I mean, it doubled his season high. Yeah. 33 carries, 170 yards, another two touchdowns. The following week, 21 carries, 84 yards a touchdown. The next week, 16 carries, no touchdowns but 93 yards. So clearly when they gave him the ball over you know, 15, 20 times a game, he, he absolutely beasted. And I think he's just one of those running backs, man, like – Adrian Peterson, I'm not comparing him to the legendary Adrian Peterson, but I think he's just one of those type of running backs that needs to continue to pound and pound and pound and pound. And at the end of the game, man, when it gets late in those games, those defensive linemen are tired. They're starting to arm tackle and shit. They can't quite get in front of them in time. He's running through all that stuff. And that's that's the type of that's the type of back, um, you know, that gets better as the game goes on, All la uh, Frank Gore uh, and Marshawn Lynch and those type of pounders, you know, so – I uh, I'm up in the air with, with Derrick Henry, to be honest as well, man, he's going to be an interesting uh, debate uh, going through the season here. So we'll see what happens. My running back was Kenyon Drake. So I actually picked both Miami uh, running backs. Frankly, I love Frank Gore. I just didn't think he was going to be a factor. Um, wow. I know he was the starter coming into last year. I just thought he was either going to get injured, unfortunately, not that I wish pain on anybody, but I thought he might get injured cause he's old um, or just should have lose to two young bucks that I thought were going to be studs, but I gave the credit to Bellage, not Drake. Um, and I spent the whole offseason last year telling people not to draft Kenyon Drake. And ultimately, he wasn't terrible, but I don't think he wasn't as good as everyone, um, you know, kind of wanted to be, I guess. But he did outperform my prediction. So Kenyon Drake was going as a running back 21. Uh, he was not the starter uh, behind Damian Williams. Um, the the year before that when Frank Gore got hurt. And I just didn't think he was really going to be that effective, honestly. But this was a a miss as well. And um, I whiffed on him and Kalen Balaj both. Uh, I don't hate Drake as a player, but I didn't like his usage in 2017 and didn't believe that Adam Gase, the head coach, uh, would increase that in 2018. I was certainly right. And Adam Gase has hit the road, Jack. I think everybody was giving him shit all year for not using his best player in the backfield, and um, he eventually got fired. Uh, Drake finishes the RB 14 somehow, which I was very surprised to find out, actually, but only had just over 500 yards and four t- rushing touchdowns. But he did add another 53 catches and nearly 500 yards and another five touchdowns through the air. So I think what I didn't expect was how effective Drake was going to be as a pass catching back. I thought that was going to be Kalen Bellage's bread and butter. I thought Frank Gore was going to get the carries leaving nowhere for Drake to really get his meat. And um, I was right on the rushing front, but not on the passing front. So uh, I was definitely proved wrong there. Um, And that was far more than I expected him to be as a pass catcher. Obviously, Uh, I figured that would be um, Bellagio's role, as I mentioned. And uh, Miami finished 31st (laughs) for pro football focus uh, after finishing 29th last year. So their offensive line was horrible. And Drake put up pretty decent numbers, actually, now that I look at it. So I'll be fading Drake and the dolphins as a whole in 2019. Cause I, as I just mentioned with Kalen Balaj, I just don't believe in the, the system um, or, you know, the, the, the talent all around on that team as of right now, unless they get a stud quarterback somehow in free agency, big time receiver, something like that. We'll see what happens, but not really stoked on Kenyon Drake, although he did outperform um, my position. I thought he was going to fade far, far, far less than an RB two, And actually he was a, you know, upper upper echelon uh rb two and almost snuck into rb1 category and if he had any offensive line i think he probably would have been a, a uh, you know rb1 at the end of the day
1: yeah yeah not much more to say there um i we'll see i still think i still think he definitely has big play talent um you know a big playability but it makes it remains to be seen if he can really tap into that frequently enough to be a, a consistently useful fantasy contributor so i'm kind of on board uh, my wide receiver bust, and I'll go ahead and chuck this up as a win. I think, uh, it was Allen Robinson who wasn't a disaster. He finished as the, I think the 40th, uh, overall wide receiver, uh, in, in PPR fantasy leagues, but, but he was being drafted, I think at, at like the 13th wide receiver off the board. So that's a pretty substantial drop from, from his ADP. So I'll go ahead and at least give myself a partial win on that. Um, ultimately, you know, my concern was coming back from a torn ACL, um, and he, uh, you know, he missed a couple, game, couple ga- uh, games, I think, to various injuries. Overall, he managed to be on the field. Um, but it, even when he was on the field, it wasn't clear to me how often he was t- completely healthy. Um, and, and I think, it go, you know, the problems go deeper than that. I think all, the, offense, the offense spread the ball around a lot. Um, and Mitch Trubisky had, had flashes of, of, of being a really high-quality quarterback, but he was very inconsistent. It made Robinson kind of difficult as a, as a reliable weekly fantasy player. Um, I think going into next year, I think Trubisky, would need to take another significant step forward. Um, but the, the concern there is, you know, you could make the case that Anthony Miller might take a, uh, you know, substantial step forward too. Although he, uh, you know, is already kind of dealing with He had shoulder surgery in January. He could be limited in the spring. So we'll see what happens to him. But, um, but nevertheless, I just think there's between kind of the way Matt Nagy likes to spread the ball around and, uh, you know, Trubisky's inconsistencies, I, my, my concerns remain about Allen Robinson heading into this upcoming year, and that's in addition to the injury concerns. That being said, he is – I didn't realize that Allen Robinson is only 25 years old. Yeah, dude. Isn't that crazy? He seems, he seems like he should be 29 or something like that. I, it seems like he's been around for a long time, but he is very young, so there's absolutely – uh, you know, reason for optimism in terms of him being able to turn things around, especially if the Bears offense as a whole takes steps forward. Um, but on the whole, uh, you know, he's he's somebody that until he can prove to me that he can stay consistently healthy and carve out a consistent role with the Bears, he's somebody that I'm always going to have a lot of question marks about. Love me some Anthony Miller too,
0: man. Yep. Yep. I, I honestly think Anthony Miller is going to be the number one there in, in Chicago here pretty soon. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, I almost had uh, – I almost had – Robinson is a bounce back cat, uh, candidate when we were doing these last year, but I, I faded it just because I was worried that um, Trubisky just wasn't going to get it done. And he did enough, but still it was kind of a lot of fantasy value was through his legs, which obviously doesn't help the receivers. So I think that was a great call, man. And that was, that was probably the, the best, the best call of, of really any of ours on this whole segment here was, was your bust on, on Allen Robinson uh mine on the other hand was i think i like i i put i put in my notes quote worst call of this entire um like off season i think in predictions
1: i think it is but but just to commiserate with you a little bit i actually had this player as my bust and switched because i didn't (laughs) have the same bust i was like oh i want to do something different i don't want us to both just talk about the same player so i switched so so i was there with you man don't feel too bad holy shit all right well this player
0: is Tyreek Hill so if you if you uh, don't want to hear about how shitty this call was fast forward a minute or two um basically <laughs> my, my whole thing going into this was Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver 13 off the board I didn't think that was going to continue they had just gotten rid of Alex Smith I was unsure about Pat Mahomes obviously I've eaten that too I wasn't sure about Pat Mahomes and it looks stupid now, but at the time, uh, I just wasn't sure. He was basically still a rookie, and Alex Smith had set the, set the league on fire the year before that. And I didn't think Patrick Mahomes was going to be able to have the the game, you know, have the arm, have the consistency and the accuracy downfield that Tyreek Hill needs uh, to continue to get his numbers. Um, they had just brought in Sammy Watkins for $50 million. I thought that that was going to be the number one option there in Kansas City. So blah, blah, blah. Basically, I just didn't believe that Tyreek Hill was going to keep up his numbers. Fucking whoops, dude. This is a this is a, this is, a, this, is a, this is dude, yeah. If you can oh man, we need the little Mortal Kombat guy. Remember yeah, if it okay. up, whoops,
1: whoops that in there. That, that, that is appropriate for the current situation. Oh, oh
0: man, bummer. Anyway, uh obviously this was terrible. Uh Mahomes is incredible, and so is Cheetah. Uh Tyreek Hill finished wide receiver six in PBR and wide receiver three in standard. Uh, I made the comment that Tyreek's last 13 touchdowns from 2017 and 18 combined were all for over 30 yards and that Alex Smith was the most accurate quarterback on deep balls in 2017 and that Mahomes would not be oof with there as well. Tyreek Hill scored 12 receiving touchdowns in 2018. Five of those were over 30 yards and two more just under 30 yards. Of those touchdowns, over 30 yards, four were over 50, including two 70-plus yarders. So the dude can burn clearly, and Patrick Mahomes can obviously get him the ball down the field. I said I would draft Larry Fitzgerald, Stephon Diggs, Demarius Thomas, and Josh Gordon ahead of Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill was being drafted before all of those guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And for good reason, obviously. So thank God I didn't actually do any of that. <laughs> the,
1: only, the only player of those guys you mentioned that was even close was Diggs. Uh the rest of them all obviously horribly underperformed. So Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. So. So. So there you go. Well, I, you know, again, I, this, this was not uh, uh, an unreasonable thing uh, heading into the year, actually. There was a lot of concern about Tyreek Hill. A lot of his success the year before was on things like blown coverage and stuff along those lines. So it, it wasn't clear how his skill set, not to mention just a, a crowded you know, receiver core in Kansas City. But needless to say, he emerged as the go-to option. Sammy Watkins was, was unhealthy and or not that good um and uh and you know Mahomes obviously proved that he could sustain the likes of Kelsey and Tyree Kill and, and more probably so um you know it's uh it's needless to say he'll be a popular pick I think heading into next year and, and for good reason I won't I won't label the bus tag on or slap him with the bus tag I think ever again 100% totally agree and then I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and, and be real quick here. Cause I put Jordan Reed out. Jordan Reed was my favorite player to hate heading into the year, actually um, just because I think people were really excited about the possibility of a healthy Jordan Reed um, and, and what he could do. And I, I, I put him as my do not draft as well as my bust, um, just to, to illustrate how against Jordan, we Jordan Reed, I really was mostly because I just was not at all convinced that he was going to stay healthy. He did for the most part, but he was just bad as was everybody in that offense. So uh, done and done. I'll go ahead and pass it off to you for, uh, so you can end on a on a very high note, I think, and, and this one was frustrating to me because I drafted this guy in one of my leagues, but uh but I'll let you have your, your moment in the spotlight here. Yeah, and I'm glad that I'm ending on a
0: on a high note here because this was this was kind of a rough episode for me in general because I just like you know, you make all these predictions and, and again we're not pulling the shit out of our ass. I mean, this is like we're doing our best to compile stats and look into situations ahead of time and understand why we're making these calls. So all of these calls that we like look like shit on now, I think we're actually reasonable <laughs> coming yeah. into the, the season last year. And they obviously just didn't pan out, but you know, we did, we did a pretty good job on our gamers and, and will not draft list. So, you know, you win some, you lose some, but this one was, this one was a, a good call here. This is tight end, Jimmy Graham, who was going as the tight end number four, um, i mean that that was that was easy, and honestly, if he was going as the tight end like eight, I yeah. probably would have put him on this list yeah, anyway yeah. Um, I just didn't believe it you know there was this whole narrative that that Aaron Rodgers doesn't use his tight ends. Um, Jimmy Graham is over the hump uh, he's been missing games, although he didn't actually miss too many games coming in, but um, you know just all these things that like he just wasn't a good fit, uh, they had all these young receivers um yada yada and and i just i wasn't buying it in green bay and and frankly nailed this one again though low-hanging fruit i thought with jimmy graham uh the original jimmy g finished tight end 12 overall which again um is not terrible because that's a tight end one technically on the books but a tight end 12 in a landscape where basically after the top four tight ends they're trash like they don't help your team at all um so he was the tight end 12 overall but he finished all the way down as tight end twenty one in fantasy points per game, which yep. is really bad. That's what you're, that's what killed you is is at the end of the year you look and you're like oh Kyle Rudolph wasn't that bad, Jared Cook wasn't that bad, Austin Hooper wasn't that bad, Jimmy Graham, and then you look at their points per game and you're like oh they had one game with one hundred and forty yards and two touchdowns, <laughs> and the rest of the season was shitty. Um, right. so that that really right. hurts you. So with only two touchdowns, Graham underwhelmed after the, uh, the quote, but he's playing with Rodgers hype, uh, boosted him all the way to tight end four off the board. So, again, I thought that was kind of an easy call uh, to not, not take him. I almost put uh, Greg Olson. I had a bunch of other candidates here for the bus, but I just thought he was the biggest name and the most hype that I wanted to get people off of there, and I'm, I'm glad I chose Jimmy Graham here. Um, he had some yeah. decent games, but just three games with six-plus receptions, five games with more than 50 yards receiving. And uh, he did play all 16 games, though, for the third year in a row which I was really surprised when I was looking back because I feel like he's got this narrative that like, he's always hurt. He's always missing time. I felt like he missed a couple seasons for some reason with this injury. And I know he like blew his knee out. um, And, and basically was thought to maybe never play again a few years ago in Seattle, but he bounced back and um, just kind of surprising there that he actually got all, all, you know, 16 games in. Uh, But green Bay doesn't use the tight end. uh, But Graham, you know, may have a little bit more in the tank than I gave him credit for overall. Uh, I had Graham as my tight end 11 in my 2018 preseason rankings, and he finished tight end 12 uh, overall. So I was technically right there, but he was getting drafted as the tight end number four and um, definitely definitely nailed it on, on this, this final bust.
1: Yeah, I will say he played all 16 games, but those last few, he was effectively playing with one hand. Um, um, correct, correct, correct. correct. You know, it wasn't entirely clear that he was really all there at the end. But um, but yeah, he. You know, I took him in a draft. I think I felt like I, I agree, Tight end four was crazy. I think he fell sufficiently far in our in our league, our, our listener league, where I felt like okay, taking him. But I was still concerned enough about him where I also dra- happened to draft George Kittle in that draft, so everything worked out okay. But um, but yeah, I, I I agree. It's just you know, this the system. Uh, you know, simply wasn't going to work for him. He did, I, I think he may still be, you know, have enough in the tank to be a semi-useful player in the NFL, but I think his days of being, a, you know, a top fantasy commodity are certainly over. So, um, yeah, uh, I agree, agree with everything you said. Uh, I, you know, it will be interesting to see what his, what you know, what people kind of think about him heading into next year. Um, I guess, so Green Bay is hanging on to him, right? Isn't that, I mean? Yep, I just,
0: yep, as far, yeah, as far as I know. And, and uh, you know, they they drafted three, rookie receiver, well, obviously rookies, but they drafted um, three kind of high power receivers last year as well to complement Devontae Adams. Um, Geronimo Allison's coming back from injury. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown, um, you know, all these guys uh, really, you know, Valdez Scantling, all these guys really made an impression in like spurts last year. Um, Rodgers is finally running the team, which I think is just great for everybody. Aaron Jones should be healthy you know jamal williams isn't that amazing in my opinion but he's he's you know solid enough
1: um i just i I, I could rant if you want me to but they're already talking about how the 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 rhetoric has already started about how aaron jones isn't a lead running back we're gonna we really love jamal williams and he's we're gonna run these guys in a committee which is just freaking nonsense no 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 yeah we, we can't we can't we can't have that um i uh
0: I basically like just to just to end out the segment here, I've I've done a, a very early uh, rankings um, that I haven't announced yet uh, necessarily. I'm still kind of working on them. We'll get to that eventually. But I do keep track of them and kind of make my edits as things come through. But right now, today I have uh, and we're in what early March. I have Jimmy Graham as my 19th tight end. <laughs> I, I can't imagine any league outside of a 16 team league where 19 tight ends are getting drafted. So he's, he's, he's being undrafted. I had him as 11 last year. He was getting drafted as number four. So I have him behind Kyle Rudolph, Jordan Reed, Greg Olson, uh, Burton, you know Doyle, just ahead of Vance McDonald because I just don't know what's going on with with Antonio Brown yet and all that stuff. But basically it's a, it's a mess, and um, I think Jimmy Graham's not finished per se, but he's in the wrong offense, and I expect a big bounce back from Green Bay, but I just don't see where Jimmy Graham is going to fall into the system.
1: I agree. He will be avoided this upcoming year for sure.
0: That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to TCK pod or TCK at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at the candlestick kids. We use the hashtag TCK pod. If you'd like to look at any previous posts, make the most of the rest of your day and we'll catch you next time on the candlestick kids fantasy podcast. Thank you so much for listening for Daniel Sancato. I'm Sky Guasco and we are. here.